0: From the Lucha Podcast Network, this is the Mass Startup Podcast. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build the things that you believe in.
1: I'm Scott Quartz, the co-founder of EDC Squared. So what is EDC Squared? EDC Squared is all about a marketing tech platform connecting brands with creators. So in this short-form video era that we find ourselves in, given the rise of platforms like TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, for example, you've seen this huge shift in consumer behavior and the way that they want to connect and integrate or interact with brands. And we really feel that this kind of everyday content piece is a really powerful kind of form of content for brands to utilize and actually kind of provide impact for their business moving forward. So EDC Squared is all about the collaboration and connection between everyday content and the brands.
0: When you think about just like the influencer model that's sort of prevailed over the last, I don't know, two I don't know how long, how old is influencer marketing even, right? Like, I think Instagram is really what kicked it off, no?
1: I believe so. It's probably in the region of kind of 15, 20 years old. There's probably, going back to kind of the broadcast era, there's probably elements of influencer activity during that stage. Mm. I would say it was probably more the social era, which was kind of the 2000s, where influencer marketing really skyrocketed. And up until this point in time now, where it's probably at its peak. And as we see that shift from that internet era into that short form video era, I strongly believe that that shift is going to mirror over to influencer marketing into kind of this everyday content piece.
0: And you guys are thinking about, you know, that pl- the, the, the collaboration or partnerships between, you know, everyday creators and brands being very different. And like, you guys are trying to disrupt this. Like, that's how I think of it is really changing the way things have worked before with the influencer thing, where it was like a couple of brands kind of partner with a couple of influencers to let's actually find the creators that care about the
1: products and actually work it in a different way. How are you guys doing this? Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily use the term disrupt. Okay, I actually believe that we're kind of providing a modern day solution. Mm. And again, all around this kind of short form video era that we are in, This has created a number of marketing challenges for marketeers. You think about the type of content they have to produce, the scale of that content that they have to produce. You've got a audience and consumers who are craving this kind of authenticity, relevancy with the communications they're getting from brands. And all of this to say that brands, from an output point of view, have to produce a large volume Mm. of short form video creative And it's not only volume, it's diversity in creative. And actually what happens is you end up with this kind of creative audience or content audience segmentation, as I'm able to kind of really get granular with content targeting micro audiences and therefore drive relevance and therefore drive brand impact. And that's really the kind of short form era that we're in. So EDC Squared, I spent 10 years platform side almost Mm. four years at TikTok, five years at Twitter. And all of that experience and knowledge of where the kind of marketing and the industry is as of today has been put in to building EDC Squared Mm. because we believe that this is a kind of shift from a platform point of view. We're in a content graph era. We're in a short form video era. And the shift on the consumer side kind of, marrying up with that shift on the pi- platform side.
0: Please explain what a content graph is. Cause I think <laughs> <laughs> it's important so that Absolutely. people really understand like what you're discussing. Cause I do think there is like a fundamental misunderstanding of how platforms work and what's the difference between
1: a content graph and what's the opposite of that as well. So like we can kind of work through the eras. So if you think about a kind of broadcast era, you had a very small number Of content producers there was maybe kind of four or five major channels and it was kind of a single device with a large audience there wasn't much kind of choice yeah so you're talking TV radio exactly yep it was broadcasting to a mass audience from a very small number of content producers if you look at kind of the internet era and then the social era the number of content contributors vastly increased but it was also always based on kind of demographic kind of social graphs in regards to content that was being surfaced to me as a consumer. So I might've followed you, I might've followed my favorite football team, I might've followed some of my interests, and therefore content was being surfaced to me based on that follower kind of connection and that social connection. In the short form kind of content graph, it's all about, for example, if I like 10 pieces of content and you like 10 pieces of content and we have kind of big overlaps Mm. in regards to five of my content pieces are the same as yours, I'm highly likely to like the other five of yours because there's a strong overlap and therefore it's all built on the content graph and therefore it's surfacing content based on that data.
0: Yeah. And you know, earlier you were talking about just like the brands and the things that they've experienced with the influencer industry and everything that's happened there. And you mentioned the term brand impact, but you didn't mention sort of this, the typical thing everyone talks about, which is like, you know, views, number of likes, engagement, <clears throat> conversion, reach. Yeah. You said
1: brand impact. What does that mean to you guys? Fundamentally, as marketers and within the advertising industry, we are there to essentially shift product from shelf. Mm. We are there to drive deep and meaningful impact And I do strongly believe that there is too much. And we've seen a shift over the last kind of couple of years, shall we say, but still there's a large kind of emphasis on those kind of top level, for want of a better phrase, kind of vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if a thousand or a million people view my video. If no one goes to my store and purchases my product, what was the use of those video views? Mm -hmm. And I think we have to, and we are certainly on that journey and have been on that journey for the last 10 years or however long, but we have to bring marketing and advertising as close as possible to driving true business impact. And in this digital age, Mm. with short-form video platforms, with kind of the internet era and everything else, we can track end-to-end in many ways. Many marketers don't do that still, Mm. but I still believe that's where we need to get marketers to so we can show we are driving true business impact and ROI and everything else.
0: When you think about, you know, the last three years or so, especially, you know, the middle of the pandemic and like the explosion of TikTok and the explosion and proliferation of content creators, when you think about just like what's happened over that period, would you say a lot of that influenced, you know, what you guys wanted to build? And how important has it been to see that acceleration of, not just people going onto a platform, but going onto there and actually creating for it as well?
1: I think you're kind of, all of what's happened over the last two years or so in the world with COVID and the pandemic and everything else, I think it's just accelerated things. So I don't necessarily believe there's been a kind of huge shift. Mm. I think it's just accelerated the process based on the kind of growth rates that TikTok saw during that time but ultimately, TikTok is just an incredible product. Mm. It's incredibly sticky for consumers. It's incredibly kind of relevant for its timing in this short-form video era and the way consumers are shifting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. So, the product is the product. The product would still be as strong as it is regardless of the pandemic. So, I think we've just seen an acceleration, and you've seen that on brand side as well, right? Mm. You've seen a lot of kind of digital transformation, which. There was always visions and missions to transform some typically more kind of traditional verticals. And that's probably just been accelerated, which is only a positive thing, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you spoke about just being at TikTok for, you know, about five years or four years. I don't know which one was it, right? What are the things that you were learning about specifically emerging markets, Africa as a focus and, you know, sort of the growth of creators and brands and the work that they were doing on the platform as well?
1: Yeah, I think we have chosen to launch EDC Squared in South Africa for a number of reasons. And that kind of ties back into this question. I often kind of see, and I've worked across many emerging markets. So I've launched probably more than, I don't know, 55, almost 60 markets for Twitter and TikTok over the almost 10 years. So many of them being more kind of established markets, some being more emerging markets, but a strong, strong emphasis on emerging markets. And often not, and I I get this from the kind of sentiment of the question that Mm. there is always a catch-up game. But in this digital era, in a country like South Africa, where you have a huge volume of creativity, you have Mm. a huge volume of diversity in that creativity, in many ways, South Africa can lead the game on a global stage because it can move much quicker. And it has so much, especially in the kind of creator, creativity, diversity of that creativity kind of area that it can showcase to the rest of the world. So we are seeing this kind of democratization of the creator kind of industry on a global stage. And I think you're seeing that more and more so in South Africa because kind of content creation is becoming a little bit more accessible. Mm. Look at what we're doing right now. We're recording this with kind of a mobile studio. Yeah, That would not have been possible kind of five years ago, right? Mm. But as of today, it is possible that you can be a mobile podcaster and yeah. move around freely. And the same kind of translates to kind of digital video and short-form video content creation. So you are seeing that democratization. And again, EDC Square is just very much focused about providing opportunities and enabling these everyday content creators who have a huge volume of talent They're very passionate about products and they're very passionate about hobbies. And we're just giving them an opportunity to connect them with brands and have the opportunity to have that content monetized.
0: And you talk about just like everyday content creator versus the influencer sort of, you know, tag. What would you say are the major differences between the two and how you guys partner with them differently to say a very traditional sort of influencer model?
1: Yeah, so I think we have to, there's a lot of kind of terminologies They get thrown around, (laughs) influencer, creator, (laughs) and I think if you ask 10 people in the room to kind of give a definition of each of those, you'd probably get a very varied number of answers. So for us, when we talk about influencers, they are the large volume audience individuals Mm. that are utilized based for their audience. So they're purely utilized, funnily enough, for their influence on the audience and following that they have. Mm. So they might have a million followers, for example, and brands utilize them for that audience. When we talk about everyday content creators, we're very much more focused on the creative itself. So I could have 10 followers. I could create amazing content, which could be monetizable by a brand and therefore useful for a brand to drive business impact for them. And we just have a business model that allows that content to be connected to the brand, the brand to utilize it within their ad campaigns and put ad dollars behind it to target to their audience because the actual creator doesn't have an audience, right? Mm -hmm. They're able to track and measure the impact of that investment and we reward the content creator based on the ad dollars that goes behind their creative. So if you produce an amazing piece of creative which drives the performance in line with the brand campaign KPIs, then you will win a bigger lion's share of the ad dollars Mm. versus myself, for example, whose content didn't work out so well and therefore my reward would be kind of accordingly and lower than yours.
0: And this is completely focused on just like how creative the content actually is and how good it can be at linking towards the brand's sort of KPIs and the brand's sort of focus
1: as well. Absolutely. And if you kind of, again, cast our minds back... and. Still to today, if we look at TVCs, so TV commercials, mm. those have a quite a long shelf life,
0: right? Mm.
1: So they're huge production value. They take a long time to produce. And they probably stay on air for anything between 5 and 10, 12, if not longer, weeks. Mm. So they have a huge shelf life. If you fast forward that and actually look at the short form video, creative fatigue kicks in incredibly quickly and incredibly aggressively. So it's probably more shelf life time span of around five to seven days, for Mm. example. And that just means there needs to be a large volume of content going into the engine. So if you look at the way traditional influencer activity works historically, brands are working more often than not with a small number of influencers and getting a kind of low volume of creative out of those influencers at the end of the day. Mm. And it's definitely still a space for influence. Your big tempo campaigns, your big moments, you want that big kind of influencer splash. With everyday creators, it's much more kind of that regular, always on drumbeat, mm. that you are able to continually fuel this creative and therefore drive deeper meaningful impact for brand because you can actually utilize creator-led content for lower funnel activity mm. versus influencer activity, which tends to be used For more kind of upper funnel, more brand awareness, kind of big splash.
0: When you think about, you know, what's the role of creators in this, right? So brands can have their KPIs, their focus, and, you know, this is who we are and who we want to talk to. How do creators start to make the stuff that they know can work? Is it a focus of just like integrating brand stuff in your content? How do you make sure that you're creating in a way that can get you such
1: opportunities? Look, and I think that's a job for us as EDC Squared and as mm. a platform. How we build that kind of creative playground, which is what we're kind of referring to, and education is going to be a big kind of part of that to ensure that we continually kind of incrementally improve the creator output and the creative output that is coming from the community. So education is a big part of that. Bite-sized kind of snackable education which is kind of digestible and always on is a kind of strategy we have in that space and surfacing kind of insights on what makes great creative for specific brands. And we are really there to build an ecosystem of a pool of everyday content creators for each and every brand. Mm. So that pool of everyday content creators get to really start to understand brand brand really start to understand everyday content creators and you have this kind of ecosystem of constant content being created for brand, brand constantly giving for feedback and providing input, and then you kind of evolve that over time to continually work together to provide kind of content at scale.
0: When you think about the sort of landscape for creators in Africa specifically, and I know you said we have an advantage, I don't see it that way. <laughs> because I think, you know, you think about everyday creators and everyone's just going, oh, man, I need to see what they're doing overseas to see what I should be doing here. And you're saying we're leading, like, in some areas. It's so, fact- like, I, it's, it's, I'm
1: curious about, like, you you going into that. Look, people on the ground here in South Africa have their own identity. And as a creator, I would always, and I'm sure, Masha, I speak on behalf of yourself as well in regards to, Encouraging people not to replicate others, Mm. to have your own voice, to be yourself. Yes, take a look at what's happening in other parts of the world. Mm. Have a look what's happening across the country. Take inspiration, but don't try to replicate others and be someone that you're not. There's a huge amount of diversity here. There's a huge amount of creativity here. It's those kind of voices and those kind of independent voices, shall we say, that is so powerful and so amazing. And Mm. diversity in the short form video area is really key. So I would really encourage creators not to kind of try to adopt a personality or a tone of voice or a kind of approach that they're not. I'd really encourage them to be themselves.
0: You were talking about like the democratization of the creative economy sort of area. Can you talk about what the creative economy means to you and EDC Squared, but also what you see as the future being for creators as well?
1: I think if you rewind and look back and saw how many content creators there are in the world and how that's kind of growing and grown, it's set to kind of double in the next kind of couple of years, for Mm -hmm. example. So you can see that democratization taking place. And what that provides is a huge volume of possibilities for brands because there's a huge array of content. And EDC Squared is about streamlining and making it kind of seamless for brands to utilize that content for their paid campaigns and therefore to drive business impact. And we're there to drive opportunity and monetization opportunity for those content creators who might not be full-time content creators. Yeah, It might be a side hobby. It might be a kind of side hustle. We can give them an opportunity to connect and earn a passive income from their everyday content
0: you went into just the creative economy area and like there's a democratization of tools and like resources to be able to create the stuff, but there's not as much democratization on the monetization point. Would you say that's a focus for you guys to really democratize the monetization end for everyday creators and not just like for the few people who
1: can have access to brands and stuff like that? I think that's exactly what ADC squared is focused on doing not only because of that democratization of the creator piece, But to solve for fundamental marketing challenges the Mm. marketers are having in this short-form video era, the solutions and the tools that marketers have within their kind of toolkit aren't necessarily what's applicable to this era of the short-form video space that we're in. And that's exactly what EDC Squared is solving for. We're in a luxurious position to be able to be kind of in that launch phase that we can design and develop based on now we're not trying to kind of turn historic organization and business into something that is not necessarily is Mm. in this day and age. So we're actually solving for what is here and now and providing a tool in order to do that.
0: Yeah. How do brands and agencies, agencies being the middleman usually between the actual brand and the creators themselves, how do they have to evolve to, you know, one, (coughs) stay relevant, but two, compete in this new world where, you know, brands can go right directly to the to the creators and you know a lot more of you know social is being understood by people that might not be in those organizations
1: yeah look from an agency point of view there's always going to be components of the overall strategy which come together to form that overall strategy yeah and that's what the agency is there to own kind of design strategize around and execute So when you do have these kind of silos take place where there might be kind of direct conversations, you tend to have silo activity that doesn't feed into the overarching strategy, which can work. But I don't think it's necessarily making your dollars work as hard as they possibly can by running them as integratedly as possible and making sure that every piece of activity is complementing one another. So I think that's where the kind of agency piece sits, so to speak. But I do think there's a shift, and I think you're seeing lots of agencies over the last X number of years try to see other ways of driving revenue Mm. and other different revenue streams. Because, again, the industry has moved a hell of a long way over the last kind of 10, 15 years.
0: You talk about, like, your experience with Twitter and then TikTok. What are the things that you took as lessons from that sort of, you know, time, that experience, the relationships that you built – to start to build EDC
1: Squared. What are the lessons that I took? I think the one of the main ones would be around focus. Mm. So even when you're building a startup, and we've obviously going through this and have gone through this with EDC Squared, and it went similarly when I joined TikTok at a very early stage. There was less than five employees in Dubai, there was zero revenue. It was really building from the ground up. And similarly during my time at twitter as well and there's just so much you can do and there's so many different avenues and different routes and different kind of things that need to be done you end up and i think i was guilty of this throughout my career similar stages or some stages of kind of spreading yourself too thin Mm -hmm. and you end up chasing things and nothing really sticks and nothing really happens so the number one lesson i would say about being focused you have kind of, I don't know, three, four, five core fundamental pieces, especially when you're building a startup, what are those critical pieces? Anything else out of that shouldn't matter. What are you focused on right now? We're focused on execution. Mm. And I think that's another kind of lesson. It's around flawless execution. I think, again, I've seen across my experience, I'm part of a venture capitalist fund as well. So I kind of interact and engage with startups relatively regularly. Yep. And I feel that kind of, yes, revenue is such a strong focus and has to be a focus for any business. Do not get me wrong. But I think that takes away from servicing your existing business. So as of now, we have a kind of small subset of launch partners, global brands, local brands here in South Africa. We're very much focused on the execution of that. Mm. And kind of 80% of our effort will go on that execution. We will still 20% knock on doors, start to drive new business, have new conversations and what have you. But our core and fundamental one focus right now is execution, making sure that we have a strong kind of, brands have a strong experience, creators have a strong experience. We start to build that ecosystem and then we can build from a really solid foundation for the business, as opposed to trying to kind of, Wallpaper over the crack, should we say.
0: Would you say the speed of execution matters just as much as the quality or is it just like fighting as hard as possible to find that unicorn of quality and speed?
1: I think you've got to find that balance and that balance is a little bit of a dance. And I think that actually comes back to the type of content that we're talking about. Mm. That everyday content piece, the way we describe it, it's, it's not that kind of high production, long shelf life, takes many, many months to build. It's that kind of half day can be built, created very, very quickly. Mm. It's very kind of ad hoc. It's kind of off the cuff. And I think it is very much around that balance because I think many startups and many founders, a lot of ideas and a lot of concepts don't see the light of day because they're always fighting for perfection. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, you don't want to push something out which is not quite right or you don't want to push something out where she's wrong, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And we've kind of done that with EDC Squared. We've kind of we got a bit of branding to start with. We put up a website and we did this and we did that. And now we've kind of gone back and we've redone those things or are we doing those things right now to kind of bring it up to where it needs to be. But I think you've got to start having those conversations. You've got to start putting yourself out there. You've got to learn, take feedback, and evolve over time. You look at some of the major brands in the world, let's take Nike, for example, and they're producing some awesome content, especially around SA Rugby and the Wimbledon final and what have you over the last few days. They didn't get there overnight. They have come on a huge journey Mm. and it's important for co-founders and founders and startups to kind of remember that.
0: How difficult is it to get launch partners to jump onto this and say, okay, yes, we're going to give this a shot. It's a very different model, but... We believe there's something here of value that we can sort of experiment with how difficult is it but also how do you you know just get to that point and maybe it speaks to just getting your first paying client which is like a very major hurdle for most startups look
1: you've got to and i think that comes back to a point you made during the previous question around relationships hmm. over the last kind of 10 15 years of my career it's been very much about building nurturing relationships and I've probably done that better in some cases than others, but I don't think investing time in relationships is ever going to be ill-rewarded. And when you get to these times, and I was fortunate enough to have those strong relationships, make those connections, find those launch partners, find those launch partners that are willing to kind of step out of the safety zone, Mm -hmm. should we say? It always is the case when you're trying something new. But we've managed to kind of get that across and get the kind of value add across to brands so that there's kind of a reason to go for it. Mm -hmm. And if that reason is strong enough, then the decision makers will kind of follow with that. If what's at the end of it is valuable to them as a business. That's true. But if it's kind of not valuable and they're having to sidestep out of their safety zone for a reward which is not very attractive, shall we say, then they're going to be more conservative. And generally speaking, you get stakeholders and you get brands, some which are a little bit more experimental, some that want to be kind of first movers, first shakers, some that are a little bit more traditional. And I think you've seen examples of that being done poorly and well over the years.
0: You guys are you know, producing these really educational clips about you know, the company that you're building and the platform that it exists and you're founders and you're putting yourself on camera you're sitting in front of yeah. the, you know the mics and everything what informed that decision and like does it speak to just what you're just saying now just like how important it is to start putting yourself out there and showing and
1: telling the story yeah and people might be surprised like, i'm not a huge fan of cameras yeah and although, <laughs> although over my career i've i've done many kind of keynote speeches and PR and press and comms and whatever else I've always been in front of a camera in many ways but we there was fundamental kind of mantras that me and Simon my co-founder had when we first started having conversations and there was fundamental issues with the industry which we wanted to solve for and there was fundamental kind of issues with kind of business and corporate overarchingly that we wanted to kind of approach in a different way and one of those is just having a really human brand. Mm-hmm. We're human individuals. We want to kind of build deeper, meaningful connections with all of our stakeholders because we believe we can have a more honest and transparent conversation to build with the market as opposed to building for the market. Yeah. And that was really a piece that we took in regards to we want to make the business human. We are all human individuals. We are not these kind of completely polished professional etc kind of avatars shall we say and that was important for us to get across with the brand
0: I like that approach because it also speaks to how you are talking about how creators should make content as well right like just having that spirit to try and test things and make things see if it works, if it doesn't try something else half day just
1: your phone don't go too crazy on the production value absolutely yeah absolutely and that kind of those individuals that really understand these platforms like TikTok, like Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, etc., have a fundamental knowledge of what the platform does, how it works, and the types of content. And they can produce content to be organic and natural to that environment. Mm. And as you've just described, in half a day, you can produce some amazing content, which is incredibly native for the platform, which works incredibly well. And that's the type of content that we're unlocking for brands to utilize. Yeah. Just give me a second. This is what I like about, like,
0: podcasts. (laughs) 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 I'm going to wrap now. Okay. What do you think is then the future for the creator economy from an emerging market perspective, but also globally, especially with the short-form video market specifically?
1: I fundamentally believe we're going to see this democratization continue to take place. And I think you're going to fundamentally see some new ways of working or kind of ways of working flipped on their head, shall we say. Mm. Where creator content or creator-led content, shall we say, can be used for more lower funnel activity. Marketers, marketing brands, advertisers are all very much focused on ROI KPIs etc and therefore there's got to be a shift in the kind of business models and a flipping process of how they work so that's something else during the time of ideating EDC squared and having the conversations again with my co-founder Simon was really looking at processes and looking at ways of working Mm. and coming to the table with an approach of Why does it need to be done this way? Can it be done in a completely different way? Because I think going back to kind of startups and founders and whatever else, you tend to kind of do things because that's always the way they've been done. And you go, okay, cool, I'm going to do this because that's all the way, that's the the way it's done. But actually we should be coming back to the table and saying, do we need to do it this way? Can we tear up the rule book? and actually flip things on its head and approach it from a completely different angle. And that's a mantra that we have within the business as well to see if that can take place and that can happen. And I think you're going to see that creative democratization continue to happen. Monetization of that kind of everyday content will be streamlined, therefore solving for some of the marketing challenges of today. And I think you'll see a shift in the way the industry and creators and brands collaborate. Or, or provide, especially for this kind of always on constant drumbeat strategy versus those kind of tempo campaign moments.
0: What's the future for EDC Squared?
1: We help, we're on a mission to give $10 million back into communities through creator payouts. That's our kind of big audacious mission. And we believe we can do that whilst solving for some fundamental marketing challenges within this short form video era. So we're very much focused on execution and then obviously scaling, scaling here in South Africa, across the continent and beyond. And that's where our focus will be for the next X number of months and years. If I'm a really amazing content creator who's integrating
0: really amazing brands in their content, how do I get involved?
1: You can find us at edcsquared.io. And I'm sure when you post this and put this out, there be a connection to myself. Yep. So feel free to kind of reach out to me directly. We'd love to have conversations with brands. We'd love to have conversations with creators. And we look forward to kind of entertaining those.
0: What is one thing you wish you knew that you know now about starting or building a startup?
1: What is the one thing I know now? I think things always take longer than you expect. That's just kind of a given. If you think something's going to be, okay, kind of a one month, two month, three month process and runway, probably double that and you'll be closer. And I think if you go in with that mindset, it allows you to take the pressure off yourself a little bit and allows you to really stay focused on what you're there to do and deliver and execute against. And I talk from a very kind of idealistic my way in regards to kind of funding and revenue not being a challenge but still if you go into something with the mindset of okay it's doubled this is what I need to do to get that runway this is where I need to be I think you can build a much more sustainable and scalable business as opposed to trying to do it in half the time which will have cracks it will kind of not necessarily not necessarily the what am I trying to say around kind of the litmus test and the stress test it won't survive those stress tests and that's really really becomes challenging because you actually have to go back and rework through things and you end up spending three times or four times the amount of time as opposed to just doing it correct and properly in the first time so yes there's an element of cutting corners but take cutting corners with a very kind of educated approach because it does come back to kind of bite you and Call you later on. Thank you so much, God. Thank you for having me.
0: To access previous episodes of this podcast, but also again access to other shows on our network, please visit lucha.com.